everybody has a topic on the exam that they really just don't like. Whether it's hand therapy or psych or neuropeds, whatever it is, everybody's got a kryptonite. Well, I've got your secret weapon. If you're enjoying the podcast, I've been putting out video courses called 450 Formula. They're designed to make these giant, complex, difficult topics as simple and easy as possible, just like the podcast. You get all the big ideas, the foundational information, and you walk away with simple, easy mnemonics that make remembering everything a breeze. So if you're looking for a little extra help on those big, bad topics, or you just want to knock them all out together, then head over to 450formula.com and take a look. There's some free videos we can get a good feel for how it works. Check it out and get your 450. Hang in there. All right. You guys wanted it. You twisted my arm. Enough people requested it. Pediatric developmental milestones is what we're doing today. Uh, (laughs) As you'll see, it was a bit, oh, it was brutal, but. Uh, I know it's um, something that would, is really going to help people, and so here we are. Thank you again to everybody who's been requesting topics. It really helps me out to kind of narrow down my search for what I'm doing next, and also um, everybody who's reached out and just said thank you or left a review on iTunes or any of that stuff. Thank you so much. Anybody who is willing to leave a review on iTunes, bless you, thank you, and and same thing to anybody who's sharing this with other, you know, future OTs out there, whether they're in your cohort or coming up a year from now or whatever. Thank you so much for putting the word out. I've gotten an amazing response to this whole thing, and it's just, it's been everything I, I hoped it would be so far. So thank you again, and uh, let's get into it. Oh, <laughs> pediatric milestones. Oh, okay. Heads up. I work with adults throughout school. I knew I was going to be doing that. I mean, it's probably the opposite for a lot of you who know you're going to be working with peds, where learning about adults is sort of a pain. The peds semester and then... Oh, it, studying PED stuff for the NBCOT exam was always a hassle <laughs> for me. And actually, this is embarrassing, but for the exam itself, I actually decided that enough was enough that I just couldn't bear to like memorize more just rote information and I had to focus on general principles. Um, maybe that was part of, I didn't leave myself enough time to study for the exam. Maybe it was something else, but I actually skipped these (laughs) when I was studying for the exam completely. So, uh, don't do what I did. This is the whole point of this podcast is to make all of this dumb stuff easier and faster for you guys to get down so you can move on to the important stuff, but not compromise and just not know all this other stuff. Right? So I hope this is really helpful. This is the kind of thing that I wish I had. I hope you guys like it. What this is, is a mnemonic for the pediatric developmental milestones. So the big question for this, if you've already tried to study this at all, or if you want to understand the process of this whole thing a little better, get in my head, just Google the pediatric developmental milestones and you'll realize very quickly that there is not a gold standard for these things. If you go to different websites, you will find different milestones listed at different periods. Okay. So Oh, including the AOTA PDFs, by the way, they reference the milestones implying that you should definitely know them, but they don't lay them out. They do not tell you what like their standard for these milestones is or their reference. So total headache. 
I decided I just had to pick a very credible source and go with it. The one I decided was the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. If any place could be trusted or leaned back on or whatever, that was it, I felt. So if you're looking for the actual reference resource, you can go to cdc.gov slash act early. One more time, cdc.gov slash act early. It's a website that's intended for patients with small kids to reference this stuff to see if their kids are meeting these milestones to then you know, know if they need, should contact healthcare professionals like an OT. Uh, so I used that. If you've been studying some other source or you just Google some other source, I promise you, you will find differences. So it just is what it is. No two resources were perfectly the same. In fact, no two resources even used the same time periods. Some of them went like three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. Others went two, four, six, nine, 12. It's crazy. So I just had to pick one and go with it. And I felt like this one was good. The other note about it is that there's a ton of information in this thing. If you download the PDF from that website, you'll see that there's like four categories. There's like social, cognitive, language, and motor. That at each age, there's like four to like eight things listed. That was way too much information to cram into a mnemonic and still call it like useful because you just can't remember that much stuff or fit it into something that can be easily remembered. So what I did is I trimmed it down to the things I felt were the most useful and pertinent to OTs. Mostly that was the motor components. If a baby can, um, you know, get up and be interacting with this environment on the proper time scale, then it can continue to be stimulated and develop and learn and grow. Some of the other things like learning to say specific sounds by a certain time, I felt like weren't really worth including into this mnemonic in a way that would just jumble it up and make it too confusing. So I cut out the stuff that I didn't feel was relevant um, or like absolutely necessary. If you disagree, please reference this material and try to fit it in. I'm sure you could modify this mnemonic in some way um, to include stuff that you feel is important, but I think I got all the, mo- the biggest bullet points in each age here. Okay, so the way this mnemonic works is it's a story and it involves a lot of movement that a baby is capable of. So for that reason, I went with a story about you waking up in the morning. The reason I did not go for a more traditional mnemonic that could be more easily just like written down and called good is that too many of the things were too similar. So for example, there's several milestones that deal with sitting, sitting unsupported, sitting and reaching, sitting, whatever. That didn't lend itself well to the more traditional mnemonic. So we went with a story and this is a story again that involves a lot of movement. And so it's going to be easiest to remember if you act it out while I'm describing it to you. If you're driving at the gym, it's all good. Listen to this maybe when you get home and you've got a second. If you're at home though, I want you, if you can, to go to your bedroom right now and actually act this story out with me. Doing it in a familiar environment and just going through the actions is going to make this way easier to remember. So here we go. First, I just want to give an idea how it works. It's a story about waking up. You're going to start in laying down in bed prone. Uh, but throughout the story, there are going to be these prominent numbers. So at the beginning, it's like two o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, and then it moves on to other things. But the number is going to be two, four, six, nine, twelve, and eighteen. Those correspond to months of life, right? So, the two-month milestone, the four-month milestone, the six-month milestone, and so on. I'm going to go through the whole story once with just the movements. You might be able to, if you're familiar with this stuff, you can probably figure out what some of these 
like elements of the story are referencing for a baby. But the most important thing is just that I want to go through the whole story once without bogging it down with like the interpretation of it for what it means for these babies. And then we'll go through it a second time once you're more familiar with the story. And then I'll lay out like piece for piece what each of these movements or parts of the story are referencing in these milestones. Okay, here we go. So to start with, you're going to be laying down in bed. I want you to lay down prone in bed when your alarm goes off. So you lift your head up and you turn it towards that sound of your alarm and you see it's 2 a.m. You must have screwed up and set too many alarms or something. So you're so tired, you don't do anything. You don't reach over there to turn it off. You just lay your head down and wait for that timer to just run its course so you can go back to sleep, right? Okay, so then you wake up again. The alarm is going off. It's 4 a.m. You raise your head up again, but this time with a bit more force, a bit more deliberate. It's steadier. It's more up. This one really woke you up a little bit more. You prop yourself up on your elbows, okay? You prop yourself up here. You yawn. You're going to touch your mouth with your hand. You yawn, and then you reach and turn off the alarm. So you reach over and you touch that alarm clock or your phone. You kind of side-eye your alarm clock or your phone, right? So your head's kind of still facing more or less down towards the pillow. And you look over to the side, all skeptical-like. And then you go back to sleep and you smile because you, you know you have more time to sleep. So now this alarm goes off again. It's 6 a.m. Again, remember, we're separating this story out into different, different groups. So alarm goes off again. It's 6 a.m. This is time to get up. So what you do is you roll over and then whatever your weakness is, think of like, I don't know if it's cookies or donuts or whatever your thing is, you've got, for me, it's donuts, okay? So grab your morning donut off of your nightstand. You set it there. You pass it to the other hand and then you give it a kiss, right? So you reached over, you grabbed it, then you passed it to the other hand, you hold it up and then you just give it a kiss. You're not going to eat it. Then you sit up, but you're groggy, so you need to support yourself with your arms. So you're sitting on the edge of the bed, but both your arms are down on the edge of the bed right next to you. Then you're trying to get yourself psyched to get up and get going, so you're going to slap your thighs. You're just going to give them a good whack like you're trying to wake yourself up. Let me rub them a little bit. We're going to get up and get going. Now this is the next group. You're about to do your nine, this is nine, nine rep morning exercises. Now you're going to sit down on the floor and you're going to do nine curl-ups. So you lay down flat on the floor and then I want you to, to do one curl-up. You come up into sitting and you go back down. And now each time you come up, I want you reaching forward with that forward momentum. So you're laying down and then you come up into sitting and you're reaching forward. Then once you've done nine of those, you're going to do nine push-ups. So you go forward, you do nine push-ups. And you're so tired that in order to get yourself back on your feet, you got to crawl either to like the dresser or the end of the bed, but you're going to crawl forward a little bit. And then you're going to use that furniture, the bed or the cabinet to pull yourself up. Once you've pulled yourself up, you're going to stand there for just a moment to catch your breath. And you can't stand on your own. You need to steady yourself. So you've got one hand on the bed or the cabinet or whatever. While you're doing that, you accidentally knock something off of the table or the bed and it falls to the ground 
and you watch it. You visually track it fall to the ground. And what you realize is that it's a nasty, old, moldy morning donut. It's really gross, and so I pick it up just as gingerly as I can, pinching it between my thumb and index finger. So you pick up whatever this nasty thing is, you pick it up. You just do this little pinch, touching it as little as possible, right? Now it's 12. So you're headed to the garbage, but you can only make it 12 steps before you're so grossed out that you get unsteady and you have to use your hand to kind of guide yourself down the hall. It's on the wall or some furniture or whatever, but you're walking towards the garbage can and you're using this hand to help you stay upright because it's so gross. Then you release that garbage into the garbage can and then you breathe a sigh of relief. But you look into the garbage can and what else do you see? You see your high school diploma, which you were 18, 18 years old when you got it. So you uh, get your morning cup of tea. It's a cup and you have a spoon and you're stirring that tea and you reminisce. You think about walking across the stage to get your diploma and how worried you were that you would trip, but you didn't. Okay. Okay. Now, believe it or not, if you can remember that story, and hopefully, again, if just listening to this felt like there was a lot of little moving pieces, it really, really helps to actually physically do it. It will make this thing stick in your memory a lot, lot better, especially because you won't need to remember this whole thing from front to back, but if you can remember um, each little bit and it's triggered by those different sort of timestamps, those numbers, then this is going to be easy compared to what you'd otherwise have to do to remember this level of detail of stuff. Okay. So let's go through it again that we just covered two months through 18 months of pediatric developmental milestones, if you can believe that. Okay. So here, I'm, we're going to go through it again. If you're at home again, I would recommend that you just act it out a second time and kind of talk to yourself. And while you're doing each of those motions, listen to what it actually means and really try to cement that into your head. Okay. So first one, we're laying in bed again, right? You're face down. It's 2 a.m. You just pop your head up and you turn your head towards your alarm clock. You see it's 2 a.m., right? So this is the two-month developmental milestone. By two months, children should be able to, they can just hold their head up. They can pick it up off of whatever surface they're laying on. And then they can turn their head towards sounds. Those are the two milestones that seem to be the most relevant and stand outish about the two month period. Okay. That's it. You go back to bed. You don't reach. You don't do anything else. You just, that's it. Now, remember you wake up again. Your alarm clock's going off again. It's 4 a.m. This is the four month milestone, right? So you raise your head, but this time you've got a bit more power behind it. It's steadier. This one really woke you up a little bit more, right? It's because four month olds can hold their head steady. You prop yourself up on your elbows. Four-month-olds, when they're lying prone, they can push up to their elbows. You yawned. That's because four-month-olds bring their hand to their mouth. They've got like hand-mouth coordination. They don't necessarily like bring food or objects to their mouth, but they can suck on their fingers. They touch their mouth, that sort of thing. So that was this yawn where you touch your mouth. You reach over and you turn off your alarm. By four months, babies can reach for a toy while they're lying you gave your alarm this like side eye kind of thing. And that's because at four months, babies can track moving objects with their eyes. And then the last one was that you smile because you have more time to sleep. 
This is the age where babies start to spontaneously smile. Okay, so that was all of four. Now, remember we went back to sleep and then we woke up and it's 6 a.m. and it's time to get up. So you rolled over. Six months old, six month olds can roll over. You grab your morning donut off the nightstand and you pass it to your other hand. So these six months olds, they can pass objects one hand to the other relatively smoothly. And then you bring you bring it to your mouth and you give it a kiss. That's because they can bring objects or things to their mouth, but not necessarily quite put them in there yet. They can't self-feed quite as well, but they'll bring like an object or a toy to like suck on or something. Then you sat up, but you were groggy, so you were supporting yourself with both hands on the bed, right? So six-month-olds can sit up, but they usually require a little bit of support to stay that way. Either they're holding on or someone else is holding on to them. They can't just sit unsupported. And then you slapped your thighs, you rubbed them, trying to get them going. And this was a tricky one. This is because six-month-olds can stand with support. So this is like babies by this age, like if you prop them up and hold them, their legs will support their own weight and you just need to be their balance. So that's what kind of rubbing your legs was signifying that you have the power to, to hold your weight, if not the balance. Now this next part is nine months. And this is because we're going to do our nine rep morning exercises. And then you got down onto the ground and started doing curl-ups. This is three separate things. In, so at nine months, babies can move from laying down into sitting on their own. So that's part of the curl-up, right? You were laying down and you came up into sitting. They can also sit unsupported. So you, when you came up in the curl-up, you didn't have your hands poked into the ground. And then they can also sit and reach for things. So that's why I had you really reaching forward while you're doing those curl-ups. Then you move into doing push-ups. This is because uh, babies, while they're laying on their tummy, they can use their arms. Instead of just propping up on their elbows, they can kind of fully push themselves up to get a better view of their environment and that sort of thing. And then you were so tired after these push-ups that you crawled. This is pretty obvious. By nine months, babies can crawl. And then I had you use whatever that was, your bed or whatever else, to pull yourself up to this to a stand because you're so tired. That's because babies can pull themselves up to standing. So you stand, but you're so groggy that you need to support yourself by holding on to something. So this is where babies can stand, but they need to support themselves. So they can stand as long as they're holding on to something. As opposed to before, they could support their own weight, but they needed to be supported externally. You can stand, but you have to hold on to something. Last one, these last two, you knocked something gross off of whatever you were pulling yourself up on, and you watched it fall. Babies by nine months can track falling and moving objects. And then you picked it up gingerly. At nine months, a baby can pick up a relatively small object like a Cheerio um, with their thumb and pointer finger, right? So being able to get that pinch. All right, and now it was the next one. You were so grossed out, you were trying to make it to the garbage with this thing, but you could only take 12 steps before you had to steady yourself, right? So at 12 months or one year, babies can take a few steps unsupported but they walk much more steadily if they're holding on to something. They call it like cruising. That's where the babies either like have one hand on the couch and they're kind of going along or one hand on something. So you needed, you could walk a few steps, but then you needed to support yourself to keep going. Uh, at 12 months, babies can also put objects into a container with a relatively large opening and they can release objects from their grasp without help. So that was both parts of, of dropping something into this garbage, right? You're able to release it and you put it into a container. And then you saw your diploma, which you got when you were 18. So this is 18 months. 
the important parts of this are that you can walk alone and rarely fall. So that's thinking about when you got your diploma, walking across the stage, walking without falling, right? And then you were stirring your cup of tea. So you had a, so at 18 months, babies can typically use a cup and a spoon relatively well. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope so. Because this story, I know it's like convoluted and there's a lot of pieces, but actually acting it out in your own home environment is a really good way to remember something that has this many parts to it. So what I'd recommend is that over the next, you know, I don't know how long you have until you take the exam, but let's say it's a few weeks. I would say, you know, if you're up for it, every morning when you wake up, you know, you're already right there. You may as well kind of run through this sort of thing. So if you just mentally run through this, think like, okay, it's 2 a.m., I look at the thing, I uh, turn my head, lift my head up, turn my head, and go back to sleep. Now it's 4 a.m. and kind of running through the whole thing. If you know you're missing something, then look it up, kind of correct yourself. Practice makes perfect the repetition and active recall involved in this. If you can pull it all up, it's going to be awesome. And then on the exam, when something comes up and it's saying, you know, baby Sally, baby Jojo (laughs) is 11 months old and she can do this, but she is having trouble doing this. You know, you can think about, so 11, that would be the nine. So this starting with the nine rep morning up until taking the 12 steps, she should definitely be able to do. And the, like the 12 one. So starting with 12 until you see the diploma. Those are the things that she's could still be working on and should be sort of um, coming out currently. Now, the extra credit one. So PEDS isn't just until one and a half years, but those are like, that's the one where it's like kind of the most information dense. So there's the other markers that are here are two. So two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and five-year-olds. And these are a little tricky because they sort of depart from all the sitting and positioning stuff that we've been sort of talking about. But that actually means that they're a little easier to remember. So again, I would recommend that you look at this resource, the CDC thing, and just generally familiarize with these ages a little bit. But the things that I chose that seemed to be the most important, and again, more of these physical motor development type things, I came up with some really easy ways for you to like just remember them quickly. So two-year-olds, what you're going to remember is that there's two sets of two, high, low, fast and slow. So again, two sets of two, high and low, fast and slow. So high and low, two-year-olds can climb up and down from furniture relatively well. They can go up and down stairs as long as they have something to hold on to, and they can stand on their tiptoes. So that's high and low. It's all about up and down. And then fast, slow, two-year-olds, when they begin to run, again, begin is sort of a tricky thing if you got a specific question about a certain age, but that's what's on there. So two-year-olds begin to run uh, and then also said kicking a ball. So I was thinking if you think of kickball, it's a lot of like running and then waiting and then running and then waiting if you're actually playing like baseball slash kickball. Um, But kicking a ball, you know, maybe running up into it and then slowing down to kick it or, but high, low, fast, slow seem to be a good way to just remember these generally. Then three-year-olds, The things that they're listed for three-year-olds are that they can climb well. They go up and down stairs one foot at a time, but they don't need to hold on to anything. They can run easily and they can pedal a tricycle. So three of those things are very easy to remember because they're very similar to what the two-year-olds can do. Remember? So high, low, fast, slow, 
climbing up and down, up and down stairs, and then running. We were beginning to run at two, now we're running easily. So you can remember that three-year-olds, three, it's similar to two, but they're completing it more easily. So you're gonna remember three-zy, like three-easy. And then the only thing is a tricycle, that should be pretty easy to remember. Three wheels at three years old. Uh, and the next one, four-year-olds. The bigger sort of motor components of, of the four-year-old developmental milestone were like being able to hop or stand on one foot for about two seconds, being able to catch a bounced ball most of the time, and then doing some slightly more like coordinated motor tasks, like pouring liquids with supervision. So all three of those I felt like dealt a little more with coordination than some of these other ones. Again, standing on one foot, catching a ball, pouring liquids. That seemed, so it was about coordination. So coordination, coordination. So coordinated, coordinated. I know it's goofy and dumb, but it's an easy way to remember it. And then five, the big sort of like independence uh, motor kind of thing was that they can use the toilet independently at five years old. So five is for flushing or there are five cards in a royal flush. <laughs> so that's all of them. You, If you can remember that story and then high, low, fast, low, threesy, coordinated, and five is for flushing, you should be able to remind yourself and be able to recall relatively easily in the moment what you need to know for pediatric developmental milestones. Okay, so you uh, be sure to check out the website otexamprepper.com. That's where you can get the study guides if you're not already subscribed and just getting them in your inbox as they come out. Uh, and then also... Um, be sure to check out cdc.gov slash act early if you want to find the resource I based all this stuff on. Um, and then just one last announcement right here at the end. So if you've taken the exam and you don't need these study guides anymore, I have plans. You know, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. As fun as the NBCOT exam was and kind of as nice as it is to be able to, um, you know, it's rewarding to be able to make this experience a little easier for other people. I don't plan on doing this thing only forever. I'd like to move on to other side projects that deal with OT or whatever else. So once you pass the exam, you know, I'm under no delusions that you're going to want to be keep getting these study guides forever in your inbox. So look in there, there's a way to opt out of the study guide stuff, but change your preferences so that in the future, you'll know when I start doing other stuff that might be cool and interesting and relevant to you, you big, bad healthcare professional, you. So, um, yeah, be on the watch for that. Other than that, hang in there. <laughs> stay stay strong. Uh, you're in the thick of it, and all of us who have already passed know remember what it's like. So remember, you'll be over this soon, and it will all be a distant memory. Okay, hang in there. If you get bored of studying, check out my other side project, homeequipmentguide.com, which is meant to make finding adaptive equipment online easier for OTs and their patients. Last but not least, music this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks, Kevin.